Hey, welcome back, Real Talk listeners. You know, we just are completely immersed in our series. And, you know, it's it, we've just come off of, nope, that's not what it means. And our last episode was really targeted around DE&I. And we kind of wanted to pivot because obviously we have an episode, an extra episode in the series. We wanted to talk about, you know, obviously there's misconceptions. Like, nope, that's not what it means. Great. But at the same time, I uh, while we were while we were recording all of these um, podcast episodes, we literally were on um, LinkedIn, and it's so interesting the dynamics um, of a recent blog post. So it's it's talking about, or it makes a comment that says, "Working in an office is required for innovation," and it's a quote, and it's like. Is that what they is that what they mean or are they are is this person saying it like I was like mm, nope that's that's nope I don't think that that's the interpretation of what people are going for and it's so interesting Michelle like I literally got lost in the comments because I I couldn't like it was one of those things like you can't like you can't stop watching like you just keep scrolling with your popcorn kind of a thing like and like I can't I can't like I can't close my eyes like this this is a horror story of comments and I can't stop watching it. And then you read the comments to the people's comments. Like it never <laughs> ends. Like I read the comments first and then I read the supporting comments or the pushback comments on the ones that I find, let's say, most inflammatory, hoping that someone has already said what I want to say. And there was a, it was a lot, like it was a lot of, like one person even said, what was it about NASCAR? They had a comment about NASCAR. They were like, I can't even, oh, I need to pull it up. But basically what they were saying is we're social creatures and the, the comment or the reply. So they were saying, we have to go to work because we are social creatures and the reply nailed it. I was like, yes, Tish, that's exactly what I wanted to say. She said, I get we are social creatures. I'm not arguing that point. I'm arguing that innovation can only happen in a social environment. Let's go back to the comment of the thread. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think this particular conversation is just one example of how leaders and business owners are going to get wrapped into an uninformed, un... Have you ever heard that comment, don't argue with an unintelligent person? Don't argue with stupid because stupid is stupid, right? <laughs> Sorry, guys. But I think that's what's going to happen is it's going to be deflect versus address. Like someone is going to, because they want the social environment that is an office setting, they're going to start to link and they're going to argue that that social environment is the only way you can do blank. Innovation was the case of this article. And there, it's just going to be a lot of deferring or, or hiding from instead of addressing the issues straight out. And Maria, you and I have talked about this on virtually every podcast since COVID-19 because we started in May of 2020. And we've said over and over and over again, 
that coming out of this pandemic, if you have done anything in your work environment to make people feel unappreciated, and I'm not talking about cash, look at the numbers, cash makes people come to work, it's not what makes them feel appreciated always. If you've done things to make people feel unappreciated, the minute they feel comfortable walking away from you, they are gone. I believe I predicted it would happen in September, but what the numbers are showing is it's starting to happen now because the job market is so good. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I'm, I'm looking through these comments right now, Michelle, and I can't I can't stop. It's just like, Mad scrolling. So one person is like, call me old fashioned, but I really need to be around people. Like I can't create collaboration and innovative ideas without being in front of a group of people. And whiteboarding is best done in a group setting. So you can see everybody's reactions. And I'm like, wait, how are people whiteboarding? Like, I'm so confused. So Another person says a lot of managers are pressing this innovation in groups bullshit, which is so funny. I can't stop reading this stuff. And um, some people are just like, yes, like it's just, it's necessary to be back into the office. And then another person's like, for me, working in the office completely kills my desire for innovation. I must have missed something because in my 20 plus years working in an office, I've yet to see it unless innovation equals micromanaging. That was my favorite <laughs> comment. I think those comments are exactly what you're going to get. So what I would recommend for business leaders or owners of businesses before they start making a decision is they need to bring someone in the room that is willing to be neutral on the topic whether it's because they bring in an outside consultant to navigate the conversation or someone in the business like, eh, whatever, I'll take it either way. Because some of those comments, they're so nondescript. I don't even know what you're talking about. It's necessary for us to be in the office. Why? Like, what did we screw up over the past year that was a result of not being in the office? Like, what did we do well the year before that? And was it because we were in the office or was it some other thing that happened in 2019 that influenced it? Yeah, someone brings up a good comment here too. I disagree. A lot of innovations that have um, had impact in the 21st century mostly started from someone's garage. If you think about like the Steve Jobs movie or just the whole like the, the premise of how Apple started, right? Was literally in Steve Jobs' garage or in a garage, I would say, I don't don't remember if it was Steve Jobs or his buddies, but it started in a garage, like your ideas and your innovation. I think um, it's crap to say it has to happen in an office. And then when people at leaders try to leverage, like we have to come back into the office, but why? But why? Right. Give me a good reason. Because we need to stay compliant because we're a privacy company. Okay. But we've just been doing it for 15 months. We've been doing it for 18 months. Help me understand. Help me understand. No one has a logical reason why people have to be in an office or work from home. Now, I will say though, it's like crazy to see all of these empty buildings, like commercial buildings sitting stagnant. It's going to be weird. But you know what? Let's play a little game for a second. I'm going to be the boss and you're going to be the employee 
that has worked for home for 16 to 18 months. And I mean, maybe we had some struggles the first few months getting on board or whatever, but in general, we just kind of went status quo. Okay. So imagine the following conversation. So Maria, as an organization, we believe that everyone should return to work. We are going to, since we're in the middle of summer and there's some uh, variants happening, what we're going to do is we're going to conservatively say that everyone must return to work by November 1st. If anything were to happen, we'll adjust that to January 1st of 2022. But we really want everyone back in the office so things can get back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying they're not normal? Well, you know, things are just weird. They're different than they have been. And we feel like we need to just go back to the way things were before the pandemic. But we're still in a pandemic. Well, we're coming out of it, right? Like lots of states don't even require masks. Yeah, but Australia just went into winter and they're going back into lockdown. So how do we know we're coming out of it? I feel really confident that we're going to be out of this. And you know what? It's just going to be more effective if we're all in the one one building. Okay, but do I have the option to continue working remotely? Because I feel like I'm effective at my house. I mean, you have been really effective at your house, but... We can't make an exception for you and then ask 50 other people to come back to the office. Well, why not? Well, because that just wouldn't make sense. Why? Because how do you make that argument that it's okay for you to stay at home when I have to come back to the office? Yeah, but how are you making the argument that we're inefficient at the house when we are being efficient? You said I've been efficient. Well, I think we would be more efficient at work. Okay. okay, I'm going to stop right there because you guys get the point. You just sound stupid. Yes. You get it. It is literally the most ridiculous argument ever. For example, at one point during that, I was like, we need to go back to the old way, really? We want to be innovative, but we want to go do things the way it was yesterday. And you nailed it with innovation. Innovation happens... Every time I've ever seen it, because one person is annoyed at the way something happens and they're like, there's got to be an easier way. Why isn't there a better way to do this? Might they collaborate with people once they get that train running? Sure. But innovation happens because someone says, someone being one person says, this isn't working anymore. Like literally, I've thought about this a ton. I we you and I both have a lot of friends in HR and we've talked through lots of discussions. So here's a potential reason. You ready? Face-to-face conversations are just way more effective. Uh, Zoom is face-to-face people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like right now I'm looking at Maria's face. I can see when she's about to talk. Here's another one. Impromptu conversations, just really quick, drop by their office and get an answer. You know what's faster 
than dropping by someone's office and getting an answer. It's called a text or Slack or IMing someone. You know why those are faster? Because they don't usually come with stories or commentary. They come with just answers to said question. Damn quick, just like that. Like I've literally, I've put lots of thought into this. I all day, I think we could go around and around and say, like, how is it more effective? Show me more effective. Those are the details that you have not as leaders. Well, some of you may have, I won't go too general, but what most leaders haven't dug into with those answers. So when you say things like you're, you'll be more efficient, I wasn't efficient. Why didn't you tell me I wasn't efficient? You'll be more productive. You didn't tell me I wasn't being productive. You'll be less distracted. You didn't tell me I was behaving like someone distracted. Our customers will be happier. I didn't know that our customers were complaining. Like you've got to bring this back and link it to some sort of reality because after 16 to 18 months, I promise you, your employees are going, what are you talking about? Customers have never complained to me in the past 16 months. It's true. And I think there is some merit or weight to the water cooler chat because people who worked in other offices, would, even though we had you know Skype or Teams or whatever the case may be, always missed the opportunity to like literally lift their head up and be like, well, really quick, because we do still have some people in our office at the moment. And it's just quick to do that versus like, you're watching to see if they're available to see if you can get them on a call and you're just, you're texting or pinging them and waiting for them to get off their meetings to respond when you can quickly observe some of the body language. So I get what people are saying, but at the end of the day, by leaders forcing a return, you're not setting up your team for innovation. That's the least innovative comment you can make is that you have to be back into an office. Yeah, I would agree. If you actually, first of all, let me go backwards a little bit. According to the most recent studies, 41% of executives in the United States expect to have their entire staff return to the office by the end of 2021. 41%. Here's where I would say, have you asked those questions? Have you done your work? Because your employees are going to ask questions. They're going to um, ask you why that's the policy. So I would say start start with the easy stuff, which is productivity or quality of work, as well as feedback from your customers. Why don't you actually look at the past 16 months and see what's happened? Almost guarantee that some of your employees are more efficient, more productive than they were in the office. Almost guarantee it. There are also going to be people that struggled with being at home and their productivity may have declined What your job is, is to actually look at that so you can speak to it honestly, because they're going to ask. Then, I don't know, why don't you actually look at your customer reviews? Did you have positive reviews? Did you have negative reviews? Were customers saying that we were dropping the ball? 
over the past 16 months or were they saying we were handling it really well, especially based on the situation? I think that gives you, that arms you with the core of why people are in business, right? We're in business to sell a product or service to people who are willing to pay for it. So if you start by assessing the ability to deliver on said solutions and the customer's response to how we delivered it, that equips you with some great information. However, even if after going through that, you say for us, for this business, it is the right answer for us to return to work, not because it feels good or people want to be social, but the numbers actually say we are better in a work environment, then I would ask you to find out what your employees think about returning. It may not matter to you, but there are a couple of things to consider. I guarantee this is going to be a mixed bag. It's going to have nothing to do with who's an introvert or an extrovert. It's going to have to do with how people work and how they're used to working. So try to get a feel for how your employees are thinking about this and then ask your question, are you at risk of losing people? If if 75% of your employees, the feeling is there should be some sort of work flexibility program implemented then you're at risk of losing some of those employees. Now, the next question you got to ask yourself, and this is on you, we can't answer this question for you, is, is there an actual risk of that loss? Like, if you lost, can you afford it? If you lost employees, do they carry some sort of tribal knowledge that you will lose as an organization? Are they a cornerstone figure in a department and that loss and the risks associated with that loss are something that you can't mitigate. And then think about what processes, what procedures, what service or what quality suffers as a result of losing that particular group of people. And is that going to be a hit to those numbers that you think justify coming back to work. And maybe your answer is, hey, they don't want to work here. They don't want to work here. Um, We're coming back to the office. What we're suggesting is that you need to make that statement based on some thought versus just, I feel like we need to be in a social environment. Some other things that I would tell you to ask yourself, what are the risks in letting them stay home? What are the risks? Are there risks? Because in a lot of cases, the stories that we're hearing from our clients, there's no actual risk if they came to work or they stayed at home. So maybe it's not a work from home. Maybe you don't go all out Google everybody works from home indefinitely for the rest of time. Maybe you don't, but maybe you create what is called work flexibility where people can work from home or work from the office. You don't have to keep crazy 
spaces. You can do what a lot of companies had already gone to, which is like the traveling or the open cubicle environment. So I'm not asking you to bring your entire home office gear and set up your office like it's your personal space. You're going to come in, whatever space is open, you're going to pop in, you're going to take it. Maybe as an organization, you make some rules around what kinds of meetings do need to happen face-to-face. I would tell you, you need to come up with some reasons why that's the case, because I've lived in a virtual, Marie and I both have lived in a virtual world since 2004, 2005, the end of 2004. So really 2005. And I have felt part of a team. I have felt included. I have felt like I've received development. I feel like I know the people I work with. Even in previous organizations, I'm still friends with some of those people because we were able to connect even on a remote environment. And I would say we were pretty effective at getting shit done. Actually, maybe even more effective because if you think your employees aren't wasting a few hours in the office scrolling through some social media, then you are insane. (laughs) So, yeah, it's interesting um, for everyone to listen to, you know, kind of our insights here today. I think, yeah, like Michelle mentioned, I think we need to weigh out some abilities. I think this conversation still has a long way to go because I think everybody wants to and hopes to have things go back to normal from a leadership perspective or a business owner. The truth is that's just not how it's going to be. People keep fighting and pushing. And at the end of the day, businesses are only going to win if they all come together on this and everybody has a different perspective on this. So... So tune in listeners, our next series is going to be talking through really what you would, uh, what you wish you would have known going into a leadership position. So we're talking about leaders being stubborn in regards to this work from home flexibility. But, um, you know, as we promote and we grow into some of those, how do we stay flexible and autonomous through all of our learning processes? So stay tuned, stay motivated until next time. Take care. Bye.